everyone, and welcome to episode 15, 15 of the Cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me, as always, is the other half, the better half of my quartet, the one and only DJ. I don't know if I'd say better half. Rolling <laughs> off of 14 hours of work, I am uh, a regular half, if not an under, <laughs> undervalued half. Yeah, we we're both sleepy pandas tonight. So, but we are oh, so dedicated to like sticking to the the schedule that we promised on the last episode. <laughs> we are here. We're doing it. But we may be a little less enthusiastic. Hyphy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, how are you doing? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, for those of you wondering why I'm tired, um, the last uh, two weeks have been nonstop, twelve to fourteen hour days for me, and they will continue to do so for another month. So. I am um I am a little worn thin and I would love to have some time off but uh otherwise doing great glad On a to be talking scale to you. from uh 1 to 3 trips up and down the beach how tired are you 1 to 3 trips up and down the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm like on that third trip uh dragging a person who just doesn't want to cooperate <laughs> <back> and, <forth. laughs> and that person is you <laughs> yeah that's what about Lord. you rachel how are you doing i'm doing good it's like my favorite time of year we're getting into fall and like you know it's like spooky time so it's an excuse to watch a lot of scary movies and um like, I had one day where it was, like, all Stephen King Saturday. Like, not even on purpose. Like, I, I didn't go, like, I declare it's Stephen King Saturday. But, like, between all the podcasts that I was doing, I had to watch, like, several Stephen King things. So, like, one day, like, the entire day I watched 1922, finished Mr. Mercedes, and then watched Dolores Claiborne and Girl Game back to get back. That was a lot. That was wow. a lot of Stephen King. But other than that, I'm just, like, getting ready for Halloween, making my costumes. Oh, you're going to wear a costume? You're of so course. lucky. You're not going to dress up? I have to work through Halloween, so. Oh, that sucks a million butts. I'm so sorry. I know. That's my favorite drinking holiday. And, you know. It's a good one. Some costuming. I, I, I don't, I'll I put a hat on or something. What were you last year? If you're not going to be this year, what, what were you last year? I um I went as one of the characters from Bioshock, the, Ooh. uh, uh I had the uh, rabbit mask with the broken, bloody top and the top hat. And then the rest of the outfit's pretty easy. You know, the white suit shirt with some blood on it and a uh -huh. couple of, like, hooks that you carry around with your hands. God, that first Bioshock game was so good. I know. And, like, uh, <sighs> uh, I was surprised how many people actually got the costume. Like, I was expecting it to be, like, uh, bizarre. Maybe thought I was from Donnie Darko or something. They would be like, are you from The Purge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have got it. I love me a splicer. Oh, um man. So this year, I'm me and the boyfriend are dressing up as mate. Well, it's maybe a little weird, but we're gonna be Dipper and Mabel from Gravity Falls. What? Yes, <laughs> yes. I even made a little like stuffed Bill Cipher. That's I a that's really cool. Um, I actually uh, uh just finished watching all those for like the third time. A, a really? Couple weeks ago. I, I love them, and um, I'm working on a few art projects. Uh, Bill Cipher as a wood piece. So. Ooh, cool. But yeah, so I don't know. It, the, I'm excited about it. My One of my favorite things, aside from the drinking, is uh, is definitely the costumes. And we're going to a friend's house who he is a total beer con... Like, he's not a snob, but like, it is... he it, Beer is serious business. So he always has like all of these very exciting beers that he's been aging for four years or whatever. <laughs> so I always get wasted on 
excellent beer that I would never be able to purchase myself, which is always very exciting. Those like $15 bottles that come uh, in like a like glass with a cork. $50 bottle, like 22s of like some, you know, small batch stout. I would, I mean, I would never spend 50 bucks on a beer. So I'm very excited to enjoy his generosity. <laughs> I mean, trick or treat, I guess. Yes. All right. Anything else? Or are you ready to dig Yeah, let's, let's dig in. Okay, cool. Sorry, so the plan for this week is we're going to kick off the show with our in-depth, air quotes, conversation about the chapter Reshuffle. And then we're going to close out the show with a quick review of 1922, which is the new Stephen King film that is on Netflix. Um, and then last, I have, there was no connections this week. So we just have a little bit of Dark Tower news and Stephen King related news. I haven't really heard from anybody about what they want to do for that section. So until I hear otherwise, or people say they like it, I'm just going to keep going with this. Um, also, like if there's ever anything you want to throw in this section, like, don't hesitate because it's a very free form. Next you are the hard worker, Rachel. I am the slackers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. Um, all right. So, and then also we did get an iTunes review this week. I wanted to quickly thank Kid77TDT. I'm guessing that's the Dark Tower. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so here's our review, a very kind review from Kid77TDT. Uh, he says, I really enjoy this podcast. I started on started my own reread of the series prior to discovering this podcast. While I'm not technically reading along, it's amazing to delve so deeply into the books. Listening to this has resulted in me dissecting the books. I have moved on. See what I did there? Uh, too. This keeps me in Roland's world, though I have finished the series. So that's great. I kind of, I mean, we're so, we've been so sporadic with the episodes. I always worried that, like, for people who were reading along, that would be really frustrating. So it's good to hear that, you know, even if you're not reading along and in the exact chapter that we're on, that, like, it still provides something. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so, so, so much, Kid77TDT. We really appreciate the iTunes reviews. It's, like, the best way that you can support the show because it helps us get out there so that other people can come and join us on our, you know, turn around the wheel. Um if, like him, you would like to review us, we would really appreciate it, and we will read it on the show. Even if you don't like us and you write us a bad review, I'll read it. I'll go there. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on the review? No, I mean, that's great that people like us. Uh, I often wonder with a podcast so niche as this that right. uh, it's weird when it finds its mark. So that's great that they're out there, and uh, yeah. it's great that people enjoy what we enjoy. <laughs> right. Um, it's always strange when you meet someone like in a public place. It's like a uh, uh, dark tower, huh? I'm, I've been reading that too. And then you're like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, uh, right. and then you start talking some game. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm like, I, I mean, I guess I've been on the other end of that where like you find something so rant, like on Reddit or whatever, like you find something in where you're like, oh my God, my, there are my people. They exist. Like, it's such a weird niche thing that I'm into, but like there are other people that are there too. It's always fun. So, DJ, would you do me a favor and remind our listeners about our spoiler policy? Ladies and gentlemen, we promise not to spoil anything other than the chapter we are covering tonight. If we do go beyond that, we will make a line in the sand, so to speak, and we will not cross. 
uh, door you cannot open without rolling. Uh, <laughs> basically, we'll let you know if we're going to spoil something. So keep that in mind, and we will keep you posted. For sure. All right. Are we ready to dig into the chapter? Yeah. All right. Where do we leave off? <laughs> uh, we left off uh, with uh, Odetta and Detta. Uh, they, uh, the Detta is the mean one. Odetta is the nice one. And finally, we have a transition from Detta to Odetta. She wakes up. She's a peach to deal with and uh, <laughs> apologizes for not eating. Oh, you must have tied her up because she kept passing out and falling out of the wheelchair, so on and so forth. Like, so understanding of every single circumstance. You know, oh, I've been throwing up this whole time. That's why I'm so hungry and starved. But I'll try it one more time just for you, Eddie. Wink, wink. I love you, Eddie. And it continues <laughs> on like this. Um, meanwhile, Roland has gotten sicker. He is uh, in pretty sorry shape and uh, uh, not doing so well. And they're still trying to make time. Uh, now that Odetta is back, wheelchair travel seems to have picked up a pace as opposed to uh, fighting her every time they go across the beach. It's now an easier route and a better road traveled. Uh, that's pretty much it for the start, Rachel. Uh, anything yeah. to add to those two bits? Um, I would say this is more of like a running thing. I think I just want to say, like, let's t make a point of taking note what follows any time Roland has like a physical issue. Because I'm I'm not sure yet because it's been years since I've read the later books. I remember some kind of important beats. But I feel like there is some link with his physical well-being and events and sort of the, like, path of call, right? So, mm -hmm. like, I'm just proposing that now. Like, now we have him. He's, he's literally collapsed on the beach. We haven't had a collapse since – I think maybe he collapsed once before um, – he pulled Detta and Odetta through, right? Or no? Because he uh, was no, on the medication. It was Eddie... when he, yeah, when he pulled Eddie through. Yeah. And then also we had a collapse in um, Gunslinger right before he met Jake. And so I don't know if this is a coincidence or if it's something that actually is sort of like a a pattern, like an intentional pattern. And so I'm just kind of putting it out there. Let's like make note of like what happens with his cutet or whatever, every time we have a physical collapse of Roland. Wait, wait, are you saying like every time Roland uh, collapses, like the other characters grow? Um, I feel like there is potentially a link between watershed moments and his physical exhaustion. Hmm. So like he maybe he's not exerting force on their on their well being. I or feel like it's a case of perhaps Ka stepping in. Hmm. but we'll see i don't know this is just i'm just putting this out here now for future things um looking at the show notes uh and i know you guys can't see them but rachel put a couple of stars between these first two and i thought they were very insignificant so i had to stop to make sure <laughs> i i checked in with her to see what they were about so i mean the, i mean I, the only other two things before we move on is just that like you know i, I thought it was interesting that eddie has this moment when he collapses where eddie is afraid and it's specifically because he realizes that Roland is sort of his only connection to this world and how lost he will be without him, especially later in this chapter when he's super quick to turn on him that yeah. 
Yeah, and then also just watching him instantly fall back in love with Odetta after everything Detta put through put them through. You know, like I felt like that was kind of I mean, like it's an it's an illuminating character moment for Eddie. Like he is forgiving to a fault. And some of it I know is caw that is like putting its thumb on the scale. But like this dude would not know a healthy relationship if it shot him in the face. Like between Henry and his mother and then Roland kidnapping him and him getting all Stockholm and now with Detta being so physically, physically and verbally and emotionally abusive, like three minutes after Odetta wakes up and he is like right back into the, like right back in love with her. And I feel like it is this pattern that he has. Um, and it makes me kind of sad for poor little Eddie. He is just at the whim of everyone emotionally. I mean, when uh, when people are treated poorly, yeah. they respond far better, it seems like, to positive reinforcement when it comes, which is yeah. always a really weird thing for me. I always saw him as sort of this wisecracking kind of kid that, you know... You know, street tough, doesn't yeah, take crap but nobody. Like, like, there is some real like emotional scars and damages here that are like present in these super toxic patterns that may or may not end up being okay in the scenario. But like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I assume Stephen King intended it. I'm going to give him credit for it, but it is, it is like a real, it could be a blessing and a curse. <laughs> so we kind of have this bonding of those two heading up the beach. And then we kind of have a, um, a flashback, almost like, while they're walking, he sort of daydreams about this. But uh, uh, Roland, uh, you know, on the beach, sick, sending Odetta and Eddie ahead and giving Eddie his gun and warning him not to give it to Odetta. And, Foreshadowing. You know, and, and Eddie's <laughs> like, yeah, sure, obviously. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that. You know, like, uh, no problem. And uh, it's sort of like he, he, Roland already knows, like, this guy isn't going to listen to me. He doesn't believe me. And like, this is also a little foreshadowing because, uh, Roland's a smart man. Like, he's, he's played games like this before and maybe, just maybe he might have something, uh, up his sleeve. Mm. Right? Maybe. Well, uh, I'm just thinking like, he, usually nobody pulls the wool over his eyes. You know what I mean? Where he probably knows that there is this weakness in Eddie, like he can, but, and that in the past, his inability to like, separate Detta and and recognize the danger of Detta has got him like you know hit in the face with the butt of a gun like it's kind of crazy that he made that calculated risk to send Eddie down the beach with a loaded gun you know and I wonder if that is indication that maybe he's not doing so great or do you I kind of got the sense that maybe you think he does this on purpose so that later he can make a point I th- but so it puts to him me- at such a disadvantage well okay so if you think about it well, I don't. I can't. I, I don't want to go too far ahead of this chapter ah, because okay. I did sail forward past this. But it, <laughs> down the road, the forward. Yeah, you move. You move back to this, and you and you revisit it. You think about it, and it's like, okay, well, uh, Roland A. You know, before this chapter, or previous chapters, like they're no longer able to shoot the sea creatures uh, because then they're braining them instead of shooting them because. His bullets are wet and mm-hmm. they're not useful. Uh, he's talked about his guns not being in good shape, you know, maybe cleaning or something like that. And 
yet he hands the gun to Eddie and like, you know, as almost as a thing like this will protect you. But how would it protect him if Roland already knew that the guns had bad bullets and they weren't worth a dart and they were having to like beat the sea creatures to death instead of shoot them because of the lack of quality bullets. I, I mean, hmm. that right there sort of is like a red herring uh, okay. for me. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm reading too too closely into this little bit right here, but uh, hmm. R- Roland's a planner, and he, uh, he didn't get this far by accident, you know? That's true. <laughs> and then there's also, like, uh, throughout this chapter, there's little subtle mentions of, like, kind of kicking back to her seeing herself in the door as he pushed her through and like ways that he maybe can um uh, bring this uh conflict to a head and oh that's you know, interesting either it'll be um uh, a fight to the death with Detta and Odetta and if one wins they're sh- they'll probably be okay but if the other wins they're surely lost and and so it's like almost like uh he's setting up the pieces ahead of time here in this chapter to say like yeah like I, this is where i'm going like these are the puzzle pieces or the chess pieces i put into play and like we will move forward with the game good sir see i'd never even taken into account the idea that he's trying to set up a confrontation that's interesting see uh, this is why I, we do this they kind of subtly mention it um i think it one of the flashbacks here i, I think it's the one i'm talking about now but <laughs> i may have given you a flashback that's like one more flashback after this flashback. Well, I'll believe you. <laughs> okay. Um, tr- trust that I my memory is not mistaken me. Uh, so anyway, we cut back to uh, Odetta and they and uh, and Eddie, and they're still heading up the beach. Um, they're, they 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 kind of see a, a glimmer, a a sort of uh, um, heat wave on the edge, and they think that might be the door. So they move on forward towards that. Uh, uh, secret door, and uh, and they start having this sort of weird conversation about Roland, and Odetta has these like weird fake memories mm-hmm. of Roland sort of like yelling at her, and uh, she still kind of thinks of him as scary, and it's sort of this like uh, strange, weird uh, description of Roland of things that didn't happen, and. That part right there, if you remember before, and this is another kickback, but uh, when she is Detta and Roland like says, oh, Detta, you're in there and I need you to keep her quiet. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of like, oh, so that's when you felt like you were being shouted at. Because yeah. it's like down a long corridor where you were, you know, at the end trying to hear uh, through this other person's will and uh, control. Also, I would imagine it's painful, like somebody shouting. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So that one's a a little more, or a little less subtle, I guess. They kind of, Stephen King kind of beats you over the head with that one. But it's like, uh, yeah, um, she is in there. She's she's still there. And later on, we'll see that um, those two, well, we're already seeing that those two are starting to sort of sense each other just a Mm -hmm. little bit, if if that makes any sense. Speaking of sensing... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the sensations fly in this next little section where uh, Eddie lays down uh, Odetta for some lovemaking. 
And uh, Rachel, you want to elaborate on this? You just wrote uh, Bone Town in the notes. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's this. just like they're under the star. Well, I mean, they have this moment first where they're like looking up at the stars and making wishes. And like we find out that he's like wishing to be with her and she's wishing that if she has to die, it's with him. And it's like our first indication that like it's not just Eddie that's catching feelings and her flirting with him. Like she also is sort of connecting with him and they like cry it out and then they pound it out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very brief. It's blissful. It's like, like seriously, like, I'm so glad it was brief because that's one thing that I'm really struggling with. And I, I love Stephen King's writing style. But what I'm discovering is that man should never write romance because it is so painful and flowery. I like, I mean, I get that I'm not like a romantic kind of girl but it is just so cringeworthy it makes every you time embarrassed when you like... when they're like singing together it like turns into like a musical it's all <laughs> i can't i can't do it it's it's painful um can i bounce back really quick to just something that uh, about that we kind of skimmed over really quickly and that's that she finally is eating yeah okay so she he gets her to eat um, and the reason I kind of want to go back there is not just because, like, finally she's eating, but there we find out what story she tells herself in order to explain why she's not been eating, and that it's that she's allergic to the lobsters. And she, when she eats this, and it like is delicious, and she's able to like eat a ton of it, she like rationalizes it by saying like, "Oh, you know, it like it must be it must a different be further breed. up the yeah. beach or something like that." But what I thought was really interesting in these scenes where we are finding out how Odetta justifies all of the missing time is that she tends to, um, her interpretation is, always goes internal. Like, I'm tied up because I fell asleep. I'm starving because I have an allergy. You know, all of these things are very internal, whereas Detta when she's filling in the blanks, it's extremely external. Like these things are being done to me. I'm starving because these people are trying to force food into me. Um, I it even gets even more time. elaborate because she's like, yes. yeah, they were eating the good food. And they tried to feed me this poison meat. Like what? Right. But it is all oh, very like outside influence. And that's how she fills the spaces. And mm. I just thought it was an interesting like, you know, like we they're two halves of women. And that like even the way that they approach filling in the blanks comes from completely different perspectives. So, so anyways, we, I know we had we... the uh, romantic night of staring at the stars and Ooh, sleeping together. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dawn comes around and uh, they pack up and they head up the beach. Uh, still no sign of the door. Um, nice. Adetta still thinks that she can kind of like visualize it. Mm -hmm. They have some cute little banter between each other. Yeah. And uh they He can't see it, but he loves her so much that he just that he trusts believes her. Yeah, exactly. Oh, barf, barf, barf. <laughs> so they keep going a while longer and then pretty soon uh they see or well Odetta sees the door and Eddie thinks he sees the door and there's sort of this like cheesy like you got really good eyes. Yeah, your eyes are so beautiful. You you got this. <laughs> and it's just like it keeps going like this for yeah. a while. And you, you, uh... But I mean, I do think that as corny as that's kind of delivered, like there is sort of a sinister side to this little thing. Like he notices that her eyes are so good, they might even be better than Roland's. Yeah. And so like it's another physical advantage that she has as these other two people are breaking down around her. Like there might be this temptation to underestimate someone who, you know, has 
a physical uh, disability, but like we're seeing all the different ways that she actually is pretty powerful. Like we know that she's really smart, but we now we can see that she also has really great eyesight. So you have to imagine if there was a situation where later she was at a far distance, um, she might have an advantage if uh, Dedo were to take over. Well, and Stephen King's a little strong with the uh, subtle metaphors in this section too, where it's <laughs> like, okay, so you know that a Dedo's um is the nice one and then there's a mean spirited one and at the same time like the area that they're moving into has like these meerkat predators that are howling in the distance and these like kind of like vicious birds uh uh, eating creatures from the sea and and you know like all the nature like uh you know weak or eaten and destroyed sort of things like going on around It is a very predator prey situation that's happening. And like the, the hidden, like the unseen threat that just like there are little rumbles of, uh, in the, in the big cats. You're right. That I had not put that together, but that's totally true. I I was like, really? You beating me over the head with this? Like, yes, I get it. Detta is a predator. Uh huh. Thank you, Stephen King. You're so clever. No one would have got that. Oh, oh, well, I got to raise my hand over here. I did not. But now that you say it, like, yeah, 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 I do definitely like this idea of sort of like the savage wilds. Yep, yep. Um, because I mean, damn. like, they've kind of, other than the like uh, sea creatures, like, you haven't really had anything. Um, it's sort of been bland and empty and like just normal. I mean, well, like repetitive. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like, when, you know, he wants to ramp up the climate, it's like, oh, they're moving into this scarier place, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I know now it's not just seagulls, but it's hawks and yep. there's insects. Like, I mean, I thought it was interesting that we're like seeing a change, not just in geography, but like, you know, like the the actual life, like the the fauna um, is changing. And it makes me think of just sort of like moving further and further away from a blast zone. Like, uh, and like maybe the world has not moved on as much over here. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I always kind of wondered if um, the... the type of area had something to do with the the location or the with the door that you were walking through but that doesn't really work as a theory because you know eddie and odetta's doors were basically in repetitive locations Mm -hmm. and then you know the next next door is not obviously so uh, how do you know i mean they're all they're all new york right yeah but i mean like they're two of them are just like on the beach is what i'm saying like they're not like um, yeah, but I mean, I guess maybe I'm seeing this through the talisman okay. perspective. Where, Lay like, it on me. Th- what's that? Lay it on me. Well, I mean, if you remember in the talisman, like, they were geographically linked. So, like, if he went through a door in the territory, or, you know, to the territories, like, he would end up in this, like, a corresponding space. Oh, so you're saying, like, this is, like, uh, this is Planet all of the York? Apes, New York? Potentially. Potentially. I don't know that that's the truth, but, like, I've always felt like that's true. Hmm. Well, okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't, let's it, see. Let's see if that plays itself out in a way that, like, actually, it lends itself to be true. Yeah, and the next, maybe we need to like get a map out and plot where <laughs> Eddie was hanging out at, where uh, Odetta is hanging out at, and then you know. Where... Oh, that's interesting. If there's like a straight line. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe if like this, the parts of Manhattan or whatever they're in right. are like on the on the water, then and then like maybe this other section is like in in town a little ways maybe that makes yeah. a little more sense or Ooh, a little like central parky or something like that you know what i mean 
Yeah, definitely. Like, mm. I mean, how many days would it take you to walk across New York City? Uh, not a not days. Like, you mm. could do it in in multiple hours. But if you were pushing someone who was like, I guess if you're going uh north to south, it might take like a half a day or a day. Yeah. Like, depending... uh, my theory may have already fallen apart. Yeah, but let's pay attention. <laughs> okay, back on task, guys. On yes, task, yes, mind yes. on task. Um, all right. So they finally reach the door. Uh, they inspect it. They kind of marvel at the fact that the door is this like sort of two dimensional in a three dimensional reality thing that you can see from the front, but as soon as you get to the sides, it sort of like vanishes. They yeah. both make some attempts at. Uh, at opening the door, uh, but no luck there. And they sort of have this weird uh, moment where Eddie tries to give her the gun for protection, mm -hmm. and Odetta sort of mimics the words that Roland said about how it wasn't a good yeah. idea. And and it's sort of like, that again is like, it harkens back to that statement I was making earlier, like Roland's like sort of uh, set his pieces in play. And and she's like, even like, hey, you know, this is I probably shouldn't have this. And then even when she finally does decide to accept the guns after Eddie pretty much like forces her to, she still ends up sort of uh, saying, like, I don't like touching anything with his yeah. hoodoo on it. Yeah, I mean, underlined hoodoo, because that's a, a very popular word for honky mofos uh, from <laughs> Detta. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, I think it's interesting that she just has this distaste for the gun that has nothing to do with the fact that it's a gun. Like, it's just the fact that it belongs to Roland. And, like, when she talked to Eddie earlier about not liking or being afraid of Roland, like, we we were able to see through some of the artifice in, in Detta to recognize the fear, but she, like, actually is willing to confess it to Eddie. She asked him not to say anything to Roland, but, like, she she is afraid of Roland to the point where like anything he touched touches is almost like poisoned, right? Yeah. And I think it's again because it's something that is threatening that that you know barrier the between the two minds. Um, the other thing that's interesting or that we should talk about that uh, happens here is when Eddie sees the door for the first time. We don't know what it actually says on the door. We just get his reaction to it. Um, it you know we know it's the pusher right so it's interesting that he kind of like they talk about how he has this like ill chill that goes through him and it's um because like that word has like, significance for someone who's a junkie right oh it, yeah yeah i didn't think about the that. pusher and he's also pushing her i mean like there's a lot of pusher on top of pusher <laughs> um metaphors here oh so she's I, in a wheelchair and you have to push her i get yeah it. yes but then but i think it's interesting if you think about how Eddie reacted to the door when they got to the Lady of Shadows. Like, he completely flipped and went into junkie mode immediately upon seeing it. And instead of going full on, like, how, like, sly, like, how do I get through this door in order to get back to those drugs, he feels like a sickening chill because I think there is a part of him that is terrified that. If he, if this is what it seems to be, potentially like a pusher, um, and what going into that world represents, like he now has something he does not want to sacrifice, and I think that there is probably a part of him, the like the addict in him, doesn't know if he'll be able to resist going through to get that, um, 
You know what I mean? Because, like, think about addicts. They give up their families, their kids. I mean, it breaks their hearts, but the need, like, the drive of the addiction and the the illness, like, is so powerful. And I think before he had nothing holding him to this world, and now he does. And he knows that if even if he were to take her with him through that door, the pull of that addiction might it might sabotage what he's developing with Odetta. He just he went from being someone who had nothing, especially after Henry died, to having potentially everything. You're gonna have to face it, you're addicted to love. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh um you know we we get that out of the way and Eddie kisses her on the cheek or on the forehead or whatever and like leaves her there with the gun takes her wheelchair away so now she's a little less mobile and heads back down the beach to get rolling uh, meanwhile mm-hmm. back in rolling land uh he's so well of hearing that he catches that eddie's coming before eddie even gets there yeah. um there's basically like we have all of this time spinning your wheels uh of them going up and then it's just like poof he's back at rolling right. thank god though thank god i know like you, you want him just like walking aimlessly through the countryside on delay rapido rapido <laughs> and so he gets back and roland's kind of like irritated that he did the thing that uh he wasn't supposed to do giving her the gun and so now she has the gun and he doesn't seem surprised so much as like uh, just chastising, I guess, of it. Mm-hmm. And Eddie, of course, like takes up his normal cool wit and uh, snaps back with a few bits and like uh, 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 rolling, you know, in his, his regular way is just sort of rolling, I guess. Is And Rachel, I can't remember if I'm mixing this up, but is this where he's uh, he makes another joke? Right before they head off, or am I incorrect? No, I think he does. This I is... just couldn't remember what it was. Could you? Can you? I don't remember. I remember laughing. I know he out talks loud. about shitting his pants later, but oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, but I mean, like, this is a moment where Eddie is like, you know, like Eddie, he's. He's pissed off because before Roland even says hello, he rolls up after running up and down this beach, right? Just Mm -hmm. absolutely pushed to the brink of physical exhaustion. And the first thing Roland says is, you gave her the gun. And so he gets pretty upset about it. And I I actually kind of love it's a little it's a little thing in this section where you know Eddie's doing his thing and we're all enjoying it because Eddie is funny, right? Yeah. But um, you know, the usually stoic response that Roland usually gives, um, and again I think it has something to do with the breakdown of his physical well being, is he cannot resist smiling at Eddie. You know, like he smiles at him as like someone who doesn't want to smile. And it immediately made me think of like, you know how you'll see parents where the kids are doing something they're not supposed to, but it's funny and you can't, (laughs) you can't kind of resist because you love the kid and you just like, it's funny, but you know, you have to like discipline them. That's what it made me think of. And it's just like, again, Roland, when he's not feeling well, like he can't resist letting those little fifis come out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, it's very paternalistic in, in a positive way. Like the way that he feels about Eddie. And like, it made me think about how last week, when Eddie is so upset when they, you know, Roland comes back through the door and Odetta is crying because she's scared and Roland is unable to reach out and comfort people. And he has this, you know, fear that all is lost because 
he's becoming a like a cold-hearted monster and i think that this actually reveals what's really happening inside of roland is that you know when he's vulnerable the real truth about how he feels comes out towards eddie and i kind of actually this might have been my favorite sort of character moment in the entire chapter was like seeing the little softer side of roland that he's so good at compartmentalizing even he doesn't know what's there <laughs> little fifis his little fifis so uh <laughs> you know um uh roland does the like parental thing as rachel mentioned and, and lets eddie take a nap before they move on and mm -hmm. uh you know despite the urgency of them getting back there uh roland sort of slows eddie down and says hey you know rest here stop there um even though roland is looking sicker and sicker and Eddie thinks he might have pneumonia. They still take a break and let uh, um, Eddie rest. Uh, Roland obviously doesn't travel nearly as smoothly as Odetta because he has not been wheeled chair bound for his entire life. And well, he's not helping, and he's heavier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so poor Eddie. Fuck. And so he's busting his hump, getting him back up there, mm -hmm. and they finally get to the top. Rachel. And what? There's, there's no, there's no. And he's so there? relieved to be back. And then he's like, "Wait, where's my, home my girl?" girl? Yeah. <laughs> and so, of course, he goes straight, straight into panic mode. Oh, tell me she didn't go crazy. Oh, yeah, she's, she's up in them dare hills, being crazy. Yeah. And then uh, you know they they hear some uh, uh, screams, and. Uh, uh, it's or not screams. They hear um, the the cats calling or whatever they are, and uh -huh. uh, Eddie just kind of loses it a little bit and like starts yeah. screaming. And then then Roland and him argue back and forth about he should come with, and uh, he tries to coax uh, Eddie closer to him. And there's this point where he's like trying to trick him into grabbing him, and, like <laughs> take him love into the portal, and like yeah. and they're like uh, like it's sort of like this weird 70s standoff where like eddie's like you jab turkey i know what you're up to and then like <laughs> roland's like no 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 i'm i just uh my i'm short of breath i'm old you know come come closer come closer to me i can't i can't hear you you know and and the, it, that part's kind of fun yeah. and, and finally like eddie um he basically says no i'm not gonna go with you i love this girl and roland says well i hope that we'll love will fix this but it probably won't and he gives him the gun they uh uh, does Eddie fire off the shot or does Roland fire off the shot? Um, Eddie is like he. Okay, so a couple of things happen here. Like they get to the door and Eddie is freaking out. He's calling out her name. No, she's there's like no response. He's looking in the hills trying to see if there's any sign of her. Like including if there's some like blood splashed on some rocks because she got eaten by a, you know a midworld tiger or whatever it is. <laughs> and um. And Roland has this moment where he's like looking at the chair and Eddie's sort of drifting off up the hill. And he has this moment of hesitation when he sees it of like, you know, like maybe I should just let Eddie go. Like maybe I should let him go and make a life with Odetta. Maybe their love like would be able to conquer all like, you know, and maybe I should just give up and, and just call it a day. And then there's like the, you know, the obsession in him is like, hell no. So he, it kind of pulls, snaps him back. And that's when he starts trying to like get Eddie to come back. But the other thing that happens is he, he gets a look at the door and we finally get to see, um, what the, what, 
Yeah, that it says pusher, right? And he kind of has this moment where he is surprised because he thought it was going to say death. And I, it just kind of, to me, it made me realize, like, it feels like a million years ago that we were, like, <laughs> at the Golgotha, doesn't it? Like, nothing has happened, and yet everything has happened, and it just feels like the world has moved on. Well, the other weird thing with the pusher, though, is, like, Roland, when he he sees Pusher and thinks it should have said death, he's like, ah, it's basically the same thing anyway. Right. You know, <laughs> and like, that's like, oh, man, what you did to Jake, you know, like, he didn't really push Jake, Ooh, but like, I didn't even think about you know, that. like, he didn't grab him and like, let him fall, which is sort of like pushing him. And, and he's also pushing through everything to the, like, to the... It, total detriment of anyone around him like <laughs> you know what i mean like he will push through their very life yeah i mean there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff that you could hang on the hat of pusher yeah and probably fit well into this section uh so the coaxing goes poorly uh eddie ends up with the gun uh roland fires the shot off before he goes and then bam uh we see uh, crazy old Detta Walker hanging out in the hills and watching these guys trying to figure awesome out. Her awesome eyesight. Yeah, with, with her <laughs> eagle eyesight. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, thinking, uh, you know, mumbling to herself about, ah, oh, these crazy honkies. And, uh, and then Roland steps through the door and his body falls limp. I think that's mm -hmm. the end, right? Well, I mean, we do have Eddie on the other side who, once he goes, like finally the the realization of of the danger that he's in kicks in and he gets scared uh for the first time during all of this he actually kind of has a moment of like oh i'm in danger um in addition to the fact that like he he can sense that what roland is saying true that is true that dead is in the hills with this gun um like he also knows that he's not gonna be able to stay awake for very long <laughs> Because he's just <laughs> run himself to like the the utmost physical exhaustion, so we've got a little ticking clock, which I always appreciate. Um, but I do want to talk about one little thing when they're having this back and forth. Like it mirrors um, the conversation that Eddie has with Odetta, where like Odetta is giving him all like he's like trying to explain to her like what is happening to you is really happening. This isn't a head injury. This is actually happening, and like she's she stays reasonable through it, but she just keeps trying to you know logic her way out of it and he keeps poking holes but at the end of the day like it doesn't matter the logic doesn't matter like he is she has made up her mind and the same thing happens here where they go through various things like why you know Odetta is probably in danger and being taken by a cat that it's not that Detta has come back and even though Roland successfully pokes holes in all of them he refuses to hear it and there's this great quote about like um, you might as well try to drink the ocean with a spoon than argue with a lover. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Just a really good, I'm like, oh, that's some good mid-world, you know, you know, flavor that I appreciate. Um, and then the other thing is, like, I love the demonstration with the gun where he, like, you know, points out to Eddie, like... Like, he, he, he knows that Eddie is not going to hear him. It's kind of like when he told Eddie, like, you have to be careful with her. And he didn't fully believe him and ended up taking, a you know, the butt of a pistol to his face. Like, again, he kind of realizes that he has to show Eddie, like, why he needs to worry about Detta. And so he shows him with shitty shells that it will still fire and she has the best ones. And I just thought it was, and even in that moment when he is presented with that, like, you know, 
obvious like fact he still tries to fight against it and um and like say like oh you know he like he he turns on roland in a way that makes me very nervous for roland because you know we see in this moment where eddie's true loyalties lie and maybe that will change over time but when push comes to shove even when faced with the facts that he that you know Detta is probably back he still turns on Roland even in the face of knowing there's a literal gun pointed at his head he turns on Roland if it means Odetta hmm. yeah yeah so I, I don't know I, I mean I I didn't put nearly as much into that as <laughs> <laughs> that, like I'm looking for all these subtle metaphors of uh you know animals and wilderness and and you're paying attention to the more obvious stuff hey, so but that's what makes us a good team my friend <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, I don't. I also loved Roland playing possum a little bit. Like, yeah, that was actually good. Like when the, he like admitted, he was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm holding know. back a little bit." And he know. also uses his sort of god voice to make Eddie come down, and it made me think of Preacher. And I was, <laughs> and again, it made me think of how much I want um, Detta and Odetta to be played by the woman from Preacher. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I love Roland when he's just like fresh out of fucks too. Like when like Eddie's trying to argue. And and Roland's just like, okay, this is going nowhere. So he just like pulls out his gun and starts clicking the the thing till it go, you know, pulling yeah, the trigger it until it goes off. And he's just like, I don't, I don't have time for this. Look here, look at this. <laughs> All right, <laughs> bye. I'm going through the door. So uh, that's pretty much it for yep. uh, this chapter. Uh, uh, what do you think? It, was it something better than at least last round? Uh, are are, you, are you know we back what? on the up pace? This is probably my least favorite chapter. Really in the entire two books so far um because it was there was an action which i do like but there also wasn't a ton of there was a like a sprinkling of some character stuff and some psychology stuff but it feels very much like it's spinning its wheels um i'm happy to to do it because it's setting up my favorite part of the book as we're going to lead into in the next you know two or three um episodes before we wrap this book up um so but it does feel very much like a setup and like i know we have to kind of take our time and take a beat so that we can have some odetta eddie time so they can, can like reaffirm that connection but it it that stuff didn't land for me and also it's very frustrating to watch eddie be an idiot because i love <laughs> eddie so i didn't i mean i love this book from cover to cover but of the of the chapters, this is probably my least favorite. I, I don't. This isn't as bad as some of the stuff that I was bemoaning previously. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it it's filler, but you know, this feels more like, um, well, uh, Mr. Author, we're gonna need seven hundred and fifty pages out of you, not uh, six hundred and thirty. So you know, go forth and fill in. You know, uh, but that's fine. Like whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think we had to run down our heroes physically, too, so that they're vulnerable to data. Yeah, and I mean, like, you have to get somebody to the spot before you can have the adventure. Uh, so yeah. traveling is part of that. Otherwise, you wouldn't it's like have literal any... place setting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, that's better than some of the other slog of just like over and over going up the beach for however long, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I'm just read. I'm so excited. We are where we need to be. Yeah, next chapter, guys, uh, it gets good. Yeah, it <laughs> I, I know because I've I may have listened to it a couple times already and we'll skimmed <laughs> through some bits. Yeah, 
Well, next week we're going to be casting a new character, so stay tuned to the 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 um, cast of Cough Facebook page, or just read the chapter. You'll know who it is. Um, but we're so you too, DJ. Start thinking about who you're going to cast in that role. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm already. Uh, well. Uh, okay, I'll keep it to myself. Yes, yeah, save it for next week. I actually last night when I was like going to sleep, I was mentally casting this role. So I'm excited to see what you came up with. <laughs> I mean, now that like you you put me on the spot, like I've already visualized like okay. a certain person from an exact time period and even his character in a a very specific movie. Interesting. So I well, I'll talk about it next week, but <laughs> I have I have two people in mind. One of them is like the right age, so they were like young in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is just sort of the right type. <laughs> oh, creeper. Okay. So, that is it for this chapter. Our let's talk about our plans for next week. So, next week we're going to be doing two chapters because they're both really short. Um they are The Pusher chapter 1 and chapter 2, Bitter Medicine and The Honey Pot. I'm so excited. Um so if you were going to get into spoilers pretty quick here, are we going to get into spoilers? I don't think so. I don't think we're going to get into spoilers, no spoilers at all until the end of this. So you know what? Spoiler phobes, stay with us. I don't think we have any spoilers moving in. There are zero spoilers in the 1922 movie review. Well, no, and I'm like thinking about the movie news and stuff. I don't think there's any spoilers in there and there's no connection. So we're good. So hang in with us. Um until the end of the show, I guess, if you're interested in what I just talked about. Um, if you are going to cut out, though, um, I just want to encourage you to get in touch with us. We love hearing from you guys. You can, uh, like, my the best way to find us is probably on our Facebook group. We've got a great Facebook group full of really cool, super dark tower nerds like us. Um, so there's fun discussions that happen on there, and we encourage people to hop on there and start discussions. Um, you can also email us at castofcaught at zombiegirls.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text us at one 694 But my my advice is just hop on the, on the Facebook group. It's, it's really fun. Um, and then, again, if you are enjoying the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We love to hear from you. Yes. Okay. So should we do our review of 1922? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's lay in there. This is um, actually a Netflix original, uh, yes. which is, is funny because uh, when Rachel mentioned, reminded me what I was supposed to watch, I actually went and stole it. Oh, you did not. I did. I have, I have, I have Netflix. I could have watched it legitimately, and I didn't realize that. And so I just... Oh bless you! <laughs> so and then I like I was watching it. And I'm like, and then it starts with the Netflix boom, 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 and I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna give you a pass because you did actually technically pay for it because <laughs> you're paying for your subscription, right? So well, I hate that when someone tells me to watch something that's like new and it's out, and you can only get it on a certain platform, and then I go get it and realize that I already paid for that platform. <laughs> Well, I will let you know moving forward, not only the title, but like how to actually track it down. <laughs> because like, oh my God, the, the, the Stephen King adaptations are coming fast and furious, my friend. This is not the last Stephen King adaptation. We'll well, okay. About. So before we dive into this, um, yes. I think this, this particular um, plot from Stephen King has been done twice in the last year and a half. Uh, the one of them is this 1922, but uh-huh. I think there's another one, and I forget what the title was, but it went to like a uh uh like a film festival 
uh, at the end of last year, and it was huh. based on the same book. Um, different characters played it, of course, but uh, really, I, I might be full of crap, but I don't. Well, think I know I am. that this sort of revenge theme is something that Stephen King like kind of goes back to, and this entire collection of novellas that this is based on is about kind of like violence done against a character and then them getting some sort of revenge the telltale hearts yes they're all kind of a little bit like that i mean not exactly like one of them is like you know uh, a woman is raped by a truck driver and she gets her like revenge you know what i mean so they're not yeah. they're not all telltale hearts but they are like this revenge redemption sort kind of like of creep thing. showy um I can hold my breath a really long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. So go ahead. Okay. Uh, um, so uh, diving into this anyway, uh, um, it's basically like a guy, his family, they're all living on a farm and the wife wants to move to the city to start a dress dress factory or whatever. And, and he wants to live in the country, the peace of the country. And I don't know what Stephen King's obsession is with Nebraska, but uh you know, plot. I thought you would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you know, so I I had my wife watch me with the, or watch this with me for a little while until the rats came. Uh, but uh, uh, she basically um, was like, "Oh man, I miss the Nebraska uh, uh, sunsets and the Nebraska clouds and like some of the scenery that they showed because yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, people uh, bemoan Nebraska for being flat and ridiculous, it's beautiful. but it's also like. Trust me, folks, Nebraska is really beautiful. You should go there. Uh, there's a lot of tourism there, believe it or not. Very cold in the winter. Very cold. And very hot in the summer. Uh, the Nebraska people can go anywhere because they're climatized to the worst of everything. Mm, that's actually a good way of looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> nice spin. <laughs> that's why uh, you see Nebraska people popping up all over the place. Uh, see, and I am so from my bay area living oh oh you worst you ever had to deal with like a 50 degree day and a maybe 81 the coldest i have ever been in my life was in nebraska oh, the yeah. coldest by far nothing compares to how cold i was in nebraska we were waiting for a cab and i could literally feel the cold working its way through my clothing and i was like no it's coming <laughs> it's coming and it was terrible <laughs> oh man when it hits like 60 mile an hour winds and it's already minus 10 outside and like anything that even remotely warms something up causes an icicle to form sideways pointing straight at you <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, god <laughs> you feel like you, your eyes are going to freeze out of your head every time you walk outdoors oh my god you are a, you are a hardy people you nebraskans <laughs> all right so anyway this as you as you may well have guessed takes place in nebraska uh there's some conflict between the husband and the wife and then eventually uh, the solution is to rope your boy into uh, murdering your wife so that he can uh, continue to date his uh, uh, young girlfriend and the dad can continue to run the farm. Uh, so and uh, uh, dad continually uh, takes out loans and gets crazier and crazier until we make full circle back to the beginning of the movie. Um mm -hmm. I don't know, Rachel. What do you think? It was okay. It was it's pretty slow. Yeah. Um, I it is not a movie that I think I will ever revisit for 
I mean, and like that is no, I mean, you know how like sometimes you can think a movie is good, but you don't necessarily enjoy watching it. Like it is a little bit punishing. And I kind of felt like this was punishing. Um, for me, someone who really hates animal violence, this, this was definitely triggering. <laughs> oh, I'm like, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I'm fine. I, I was being a little dramatic with triggering. Um, I mean, it was just definitely like, I, I did a lot of covering my eyes in this movie, not because of like any scary thing so much as just like, I don't want to see people stomp rats to death and whatnot or push cows down well. No, the cow <laughs> in the well was kind of like a comic. It, I mean, I'm not saying like murdering animals is comical, but like. It's kind of funny because they're like, well, we got her on the well lid. Like, come on, cow. And then they're like about to walk off and the cow's just like, bloop, bloop. Oh, poor cow. <laughs> See, I can't do it. It's too upsetting. So, okay. But then that being said, I think it is a good movie. And I think it's a good adaptation of a story that is thematically about how even if you get away with a crime, you there is still a toll, and um, I, I think it's summed up in a in a thing, a line of dialogue that I thought was really great in the movie, where he says, "I learned something that like very few people will learn, and that is that murder is is hard work." And then you see them like cleaning, and and it's just like already the toll begins. And there's this brief window where it kind of seems like he made the right choice for himself, um, but like it has what it does is it sets up this series of dominoes that had he he ends up with less than what he would have had if he had just like sold the farm um to begin with and like the toll the cost of it is so much higher and so much more tragic and that it, it reverberates out to like not just him but like his neighbors and stuff mm -hmm. um so i thought that it does a really good job of that i also think that i have always kind of considered thomas jane to be like I I think he's a charismatic actor. I like him, but I never think of him as like being like a particularly you know, like a, a thespian. You know what I mean? Like I think of him in uh, Deep Blue Sea. So I think of him as like Deep Blue Sea or um when he was on Arrested Development or when he was the Punisher. You know what I mean? Like he never struck me as someone who was like not not a bad actor, but not like a really great actor. And I think this movie uh proves otherwise like he has this affectation where he kind of talks out of the side of his mouth and at first i didn't know how to feel about it but like he does slip into this character in a way that i thought was really impressive like he becomes sort of like when you look at these dust bowl photos from the 1920s of sort of like these you know sun weathered hard-working salt-of-the-earth men in their overalls like that have been colorized like that's what he looks like he does and i know really well yes and i think his portrayal as he kind of slowly goes mad or maybe is getting messages from his wife um is really well done um like i said i don't think i will ever revisit this movie but i think if you are a fan of the novella that it's based on and you like some of stephen king's more nihilistic fare this is a really solid entry into that. I thought uh, the, that the actual scenes and the the sets were quite good for a Netflix oh, yeah. original. Like they they were so subtle and really perfect. Like it, mm -hmm. it wasn't like one of those things where like it beats you over the head with like a wagon driving by the front of the screen as like the camera pans across like a farm town. It was just like. Oh, he's uh, in an old house, and the old house happens to be like 
a lath and plaster type of affair and like he reaches down for the door handle and it's like that old timey brass door handle with like mm-hmm. uh you know the the uh, <clears throat> uh porcelain on it and stuff and, and then like even going into town like that was like a classic town the farms were classic yeah. the model t's and it wasn't a huge budget film, but man. Yeah. You can tell that they sp- spent their budget well. And part of that is because almost the entire movie takes place in one location. Yeah. And then they just really put the money into that location because yep. it looks good. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I'm, you're from Nebraska. I mean, I'm sure those kinds of houses still like exist there. Oh, yeah. You can go to a small town and, and see a house that's over 100 years old and like on every street. Uh, that, that's super cool. Yeah. So overall, what do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down to 1922. I'm with you. I wouldn't recommend this as a second watch to anybody. A first watch is definitely if you're into that sort of like long drawn suspense. Okay, go for it. Um, yeah. Netflix did really well, uh, but this feels like it's going for like a daytime drama, uh, you know, original mm-hmm. series type of thing than it is like, um, I don't know, more of a action the type of movie and television series we're used to in our new action-packed world. Yeah, I feel like it's a kind of lower-budget movie we'd never see if Netflix didn't exist anymore, right? Because there's, like, super, super indie films, like, super mm-hmm. micro-budget films, and then there's blockbusters. You know what I mean? Well, Netflix, like Hollywood like... is not making these middle-of-the-road the budget-wise yeah. kind of films. And so I kind of love that Netflix is doing it, especially because, like, there's so much good Stephen King ad- stuff out there to adapt. I hope they keep because they also did Gerald's game like earlier that month, which I also really like. Thanks, Netflix. <laughs> All right. So um, speaking of Stephen King adaptations, let's really quickly go through the movie news. By the way, folks, we are there is going to be a small spoil, well, a medium sized spoiler in the movie news. So if you're really spoiler averse to the book series, maybe go ahead and skip ahead and we'll see you next week. So there's two stories to talk about this week. The first one is Dark Tower related. Okay. Um, I put this in our Facebook group to see what people thought. And uh, I don't know. I feel like the response is a little mixed. But okay. And also, I think it's strange considering what we talked about in the last episode. So Stephen King, in an interview, um, recent interview with, I did not write it down. Oops. I want to say Vulture. Um, Google it. I'm probably wrong. Uh, He was doing an interview about all of his various adaptations and like what it is like 2017 is the year of Stephen King. Like there's so many things coming out and um, he, they they asked him of course about the dark tower, like what is happening with the future of the franchise. And he said that the TV series is, it looks like it's going forward, but it's going to be a complete reboot. Oh, which makes me wonder about what we talked about on the last episode where Idris Elba said that there's still talk about a sequel. Like, I would assume they're not going to reboot the series and do a sequel. Right? Well, I don't know. The, I guess you're open to do a reboot since they finished it in the movie. <laughs> no shit. Right? I mean, like, because <laughs> yeah. really, like, they won and they're done. So the only either you go on, like, Adventures with Jake uh which sounds a lot like adventure time or you (laughs) or you uh you know like you start over again and like the ever eternal battle continues yeah yep yep oops spoiler alert um so (laughs) that's right i'll cut it out sorry (laughs) or i uh, i'll i'll throw a spoiler warning in there 
So, so what do you think? Are you are you more excited at the idea of a reboot, or are you really looking forward to seeing more of Idris Elba as, as Roland Deschain? I mean, I like uh, Idris Elba as Roland. I just um, a reboot would be great, like that. Yeah, like the two, I think, don't have to be separate from each other. You could reboot it and still keep the same actor, yeah. right? Or am I wrong? No, I think you you could, but I you don't, don't think don't... they're going to. I mean, I kind of almost wish they would scratch it because I don't like if that really was the last time around, I find it deeply unsatisfying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a reboot would allow you to be like, OK, well, this is now this is the last time around um, For and real still keep and keep like almost all the beats, but maybe have a couple of things change that allow the outcome to be different. Or not, you know what I mean? Whatever. But I do, like, I mean, like, him having the Horn of Eld, like, he could start off with the Horn of Eld as he's, like, around the campfire telling the, well, no, because I don't want Jake to be there. He could start off with the Horn of Eld somehow. I don't know. Or he could keep keep the Horn of Eld this time through. Whatever the case is. Um, I'd love to see a final, because that's the thing I was most excited about, probably aside from other than it just existing at all, there being a Dark Tower series, is, like, having some level of resolution and... Um, I kind of, I want it to be better than, than what we got. So I'm, I'm here for a reboot, but if there's any way that we can keep Roland, I would re or, uh, Idris Elba's Roland, I would really, really like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if this will even happen either. You know, you, yeah, I mean, no, there's always talks of new movies or of like reboots right. or there's going to be a dread sequel. Yeah, sure. sure. We'll see it when we see it. <laughs> And meanwhile, you'll get six more Spider-Man. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So other piece of news. Uh, did you ever read Just After Sunset? No. Okay. Well, there it's a really great collection, but there's one super standout in it, and it is called In. Have you ever seen the, there's also like a motion comic that someone did based on In. It's the letter N um no okay fair enough so it is about it is a story about someone who discovers an elder god almost like a some sort of like ancient evil that is breaking through the the stone circle and in order to keep it at bay he has to do rituals and not rituals like over a bubbling cauldron, but like OCD rituals, like counting grains of salt and making sure that they're in odd number of grains of salt in a, of a line. Like it's, so it's this interesting idea of like when you have OCD, like you have these catastrophic thoughts. Like if I do not do the rituals, then, you know, family members will die or the world will end, right? Okay. And so it kind of, like, takes those stakes and makes them real with, like, a Lovecraftian spin. It's a really, really great, really, really great short story. So I'm very excited about this news, even though I think they're going to change it a lot. But still, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. They have announced that they're actually adapting that short story into a TV series. Okay. Yes. And did you, did you watch any of the Annabelle movies? No. I'm okay. just hitting Well, the zero new zero. one that's supposed to be good, uh, Annabelle Creation, is, was done by this guy, David F. Sandberg. And he isn't tapped to helm the plot, or pilot, plot, <laughs> <laughs> helm the pilot. Um, and then uh, the it's going to be written by a guy named Andrew Barrier and... Gabriel Ferrari, who wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp movies. Okay. So 
there's some interesting kind of people involved with it. Um, and there it's going to be changed to something called eight instead of in because there's like eight. It's, I think, I think if I recall, there were eight stones in the stone circle, but, um, and they're changing the plot slightly. So here's the new synopsis. It says, the story takes place in Maine, where a group of eight massive stones hold an ancient evil so terrifying that it can drive visitors bad. It's somewhat similar to it in that there are three teenagers who escaped the evil force called Cthun in the short story back in the summer of 1992. And now they have to face it again years later. So this is very different, like plot wise from the book where it's like someone's finding these tapes of someone who's like fallen into madness as a result of this. And they, the person doesn't believe it. So they go out to kind of, they're like investigating, they go out to see it and they get caught up in it as well. They discover it's real and they, end up going mad themselves mm -hmm. so it's different in terms of the plot but like the sort of you know the MacGuffin of like this stone circle that's holding in an ancient evil is is there so i i don't know i i'm really excited to see this does that sound like something you're interested in i mean the eight stones thing sounds pretty cool um right but i, I don't know i always get tricked with these things because what you described to me sounds excellent and then like <laughs> it's all about execution and i'm always afraid that the execution will be lacking so I, I have i have no gun in this race or horse in this race but uh yeah i mean you, you kind of got me peaked a little bit like as i kind of want to watch the motion comic I, now that you i reckon it. i will send you a link it's on you notes in the show notes in the show notes and the motion comic is really cool. I don't know if it stays 100%. I can't remember. I watched it a long time ago. Mm. So I can't remember if it stays 100% faithful to the, the novella, like in terms of like, I don't know if it's abridged at all, but um, you'll get the point. It's really cool. Cthun. Mm. <laughs> I mean, how Lovecraftian is that, right? So. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. pretty cool. That's Any other thoughts on in? Nope. I, I, sorry, I don't have anything, Rachel. No I'm, worries. I'm an empty box here. I just have a tendency to like, when I get in motion, like I just like plow over. So that's why I was like, wait, take a beat. Let the man talk. Nope, nope. I have nothing to add to this. Uh, I don't know anything about it. So I am completely noob here. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it for the show. Um, I would say I've already talked about like we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. All right. So before we wrap up again, do reach out to us on our Facebook group or um, send us an email at castacotzombiegirls.com. And next week, when we're back, we will be reviewing the first two chapters in the pusher, Bitter Medicine and The Honey Pot. So next time we're back, make sure you've read those chapters or we are going to spoil them for you. And this is where the book is real good. So you don't want it spoiled. <laughs> honey Pot. All right. Until then, Honey Pot. <laughs> that's a vagina so um <laughs> until then where else can people find you on the internet uh, you can find me on the youtube channel one lone dork uh you can also find me at dslrfilmnoob.com at dslrfilmnoob on twitter and you can find me on some of the other podcasts that rachel and i do together such as the splattercast as well as the dslr film Noob podcast which rachel doesn't do but <laughs> anyway <laughs> and this cast of course because this is my favorite uh, talking with my most wonderful lie. friends. <laughs> yes, you can find us together again on the Splattercast, which will be back in November. 
very excited about that. Um, you can also find me on the Zombie Girls podcast and the Dream Queens podcast. And then, of course, on Cold Case Cinema, which is a, a podcast that we where we review films sight unseen from Turner Classic Movies. They have to be things that none of the hosts have seen before, and we all go into it cold to recreate some of that magic of times before podcasts like ours ruined everything before it actually came out <laughs> like we just did with our movie news section um so it's a lot of fun excellent <laughs> so yeah that's it well, want to take us out thanks for watching thanks for listening we'll see you next time on another exciting episode of this cast, cast of <laughs> your favorite podcast <laughs> actually um i i almost bumpered this with uh gone till november i'll be gone till november <laughs> Bye, everybody.